You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about George Michael, Faith. In the room, I have Anne. Hello. And on the line, I have Rob. Hey, friendos. Jackson. Hello. Solange. Hi. And Kyle. Faith, Faith, Faith. Faith is the debut (laughs) studio album by the English singer George Michael, released on the 30th of October 1987 by Columbia Records and Epic Records. The producer was George Michael, and the genre is pop, funk, R&B, synth pop, soul, rock, blue-eyed soul. I'm going to read from the book, Jim Harrington. By the time Wham! performed their farewell concert before 42,000 fans at Wembley Stadium in 1986, there was no leap of faith required to picture George Michael carving out a successful solo career. He was the songwriter, lead singer, and possessed the face that millions of adoring young girls had pinned up on their bedroom walls. Yet he surpassed all expectations with his debut solo release, Faith. The landmark album sold 10 million copies worldwide. Judas Priest. It spawned a staggering seven hit singles and put Michael in the same celebrity stratosphere as Michael Jackson, Madonna, and Prince. Both gay and straight communities adopted the leather earring and stubble look sported on the cover. Faith gets off to dramatic start as a church organ plays a snippet of the Wham! track Freedom, coming across every bit like a funeral for a friend, and then launches forward via a driving bow diddly rhythm on acoustic guitar into a deliriously contagious title track. The mood changes on a dime as the singer caresses his way into the dreamily romantic father figure and then gets busy on the then-controversial I Want Your Sex parts 1 and 2. Three songs. That is all it took for Michael to successfully frame his bubblegum pass in the rearview mirror. The album's greatness stemmed from the way it effortlessly combined pop, dance, music, and R&B into an entirely individual sound. The fact that so much of it still stands tall against anything played on the radio today underlines why Faith remains great. All right, what do we think of George Michael? Faith. This is a juggernaut. It's fucking incredible. It's first solo record after Wham? Album. Yeah. I was shocked this was his first solo record. First solo record after Wham. Self-produced first solo record after Wham. Wow. 70% of all tracks on this record, self-produced solo record after Wham. Fucking charted. <laughs> Inconceivable. It's insane. It's insane. It's fucking it's incredible. Fucking wild. And it still sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's off the chain. I mean, I I really like um, what you just read, Birch. That that write up is like it really is just like a, an entirely like individual kind of sound. Yeah. Um, the whole album kind of 
it's a crazy weird synthesis of pop, R&B, funk, rock, synth pop. I mean, it's so much all in a super successful package. Yeah, there's a lot of different genres on here and it's he just slays them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Monkey? Are you fucking kidding me with Monkey? <laughs> monkey? It's got the monkey old- screeches and it's talking about a monkey the whole time and yet uh, it's the only thing I have written ne- <laughs> the only thing I've written next to Monkey is this was a real missed opportunity uh for the outbreak soundtrack. Not including <laughs> it. I'm going to be honest, like I was I was a little baby dude when this came out. And I remember this. I remember yeah. this coming out around the same time as Brass Monkey and Shock the Monkey. And the, as the a small child, monkey. I was like, what's going on with these monkeys? Well, monkeys. <laughs> as a seven so to eight year old, you were like, wow. <laughs> yeah, Mon- seriously. Monkeys everywhere, man. Watch out, baby. It's back. Where'd the monkey go? Why is it back? Why are we? Al- <laughs> why are we being alarmed? As amazing as the music is like. And then just like even culturally, the this album, I mean, that might even be more important and much and more far reaching. This is an incredibly important album. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it is every single I mean, I, I'd listened to this album before, but I kind of forgot that it's literally a greatest greatest hits. We talk about that a lot where you listen to an album. And you're like, wait, this song and this song and this song and this in every single one of these songs was just radio airplay. It was on the charts. Seven singles. Yeah, seven, seven singles. singles. Seven out of nine. That's crazy. <laughs> so ironic because I had never heard this album. Like I had never actually <laughs> listened to George Michael. And I know that that's like shocking. I knew what Faith sounded like, like the song. Um, but yeah, I really liked this album. I thought it was a lot of fun. Like it's a, it's neat. And you know what it really reminds me of? In that same like jazzy, soulful way as Diamond Life by Sade. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. else agrees mm-hmm. with that, but yeah, yeah sure. heavy Sade. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It was really cool. It's got some really smooth moments for sure. Yeah, there's some funk yes. and soul on here. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I like a pop song that uses a saxophone. I like when they bring that in. Yeah, I'm pro I'm pro sax. Yeah, me pro too. Pro sexual. I, I want your sex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that he was, he said that he really wanted to be the, you know, he wanted to elevate to those contemporaries like Michael Jackson Prince. He said, uh, quote, I wanted to be in the same stratosphere as those people. He said, I'd gone from a couple of years before being perfectly happy to being, you know, top of the pops to thinking I can do what Michael Jackson can do. I mean, he just did Thriller. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, he, he said though, like later he was like, I don't know if I'd have the guts to, you know, it, to, to, to hubris. Yeah. have that hubris <laughs> to do it. But man, the proof is in the album. It's, he it, did it, it, it is like his thriller. It's phenomenal. And it's such a break with the wham stuff. Totally. Um, yeah. Like I realized I had never heard freedom before. So I listened to it after oh listening God. to this album a bunch. And I was just like, George Michael is head and shoulders. Like, it's just like a different realm that he's in when he's in this album. And like, that doesn't mean that I don't like some wham, you know, I do. <laughs> but it's I heard, just. I heard you were singing Jitterbug in the car. I was. It came on on the radio. I was about to ask if you guys could tell me like, what is a wham song? Because I, I don't know what wham sounds like. And I guess Jitterbug yes, answers my question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that that's exactly what they, what they a, sound like. And that's probably the epitome of like their whole deal. So <laughs> Careless Whisper. You certainly know Careless Whisper. 
if you've seen the movie, oh yeah that too if you've seen the movie Deadpool you've listened to the majority of uh, do it big wham or um the the movie Keanu ah yes I have yeah. not seen Keanu and I have seen Deadpool once like four like a long time ago but Wake yeah me up before okay. you go go don't oh, leave me hanging okay. on like a yo yo yeah. This record is our first introduction to New Jack Swing, which is so bizarre <laughs> that George Michael brought us New Jack Swing for the first time. <laughs> I fucking love New Jack Swing. I did not see like lay it out for us. What do like you say? Trojan what do you mean horse. when you say that? New Jack Swing. It's a high yeah. beats per minute. Um, yeah, super heavy on the rhythm. On like the yes, um, we're listening. So we're listening to "I Want Your Sex" parts one and two right now, and this is actually a great example. It's really kind of comes down to this this kind of rhythm style. Yeah. I'm into it. We'll say uh, these words to you right now. Uh, this George Michael record is uh, fantastic. And it includes a multitude of really rad songs. And, uh, and you said it was nine songs. I'm pretty sure the song, it's ten songs long, right? The original track listing I read said that it ends with kissing a fool and that that third not part, a last request right that third part is tacked on as like a bonus thing later no shit yeah. i thought i i thought that i had read the lp had a last request but what that, does the that book mean, say yeah i think it's an add-on and like a cd like it's like a later release they added it i was looking at it earlier shit. well that then yeah that that's even fucking more insane and you're absolutely correct fucking seven out of nine songs Either way, Charted. it's phenomenal. What are you talking about? <laughs> Did anyone like, have favorite tracks? Monkey. Uh, loving the monkey. <laughs> I want to say monkey, but it's only because of the screeches. Yeah, father figure. Father figure is probably oh, a mine. Good one too. Yeah. I know all the words to that I think, one. I think I mentioned that Claire had a uh, alarm clock that was like a tape that she would cue up and wake up to. And it was this album. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's sick! That's sick. Dope it was always been so much cooler than me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, my favorite song is "Kissing a Fool," even though it's like not really, you know, it's kind of the outlier. It's like the closing torch song or whatever. But like, his voice just melts me in that song, and mm, I, I just, yeah. I can't. It's great. I feel I like he's a torch singer kind of throughout this album in certain ways, or there are tracks in which that that's yeah. really what he's projecting is this sort of idea of a torch singer. And that's especially that one with the piano. It just is really strong in there. And there's maybe some moments that are a little bit campy, but I also treasure that. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I think that's bring good. Up the, last, the last track on here is called A Last Request Brackets, I Want Your Sex Part 3, which is <laughs> Just sounds kind of needy. It sounds a little pushy. Well, I think that sounds one was desperate. conceptually about trying to get somebody to not drive home drunk by I guess you guys have to have sex. <laughs> so I don't George. know. I'm looking at Which the is a little now. weird. <laughs> but that's what I that's what I read was the I don't know. When he talks about his his uh lyrical content, it's usually pretty vague. So or from what I, well, I don't know, anyway. it's, it's pretty explicit from what I'm reading right now. <laughs> well, like vague in the sense that he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a song I wrote. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I like that you use the word campy to describe it because I as I was listening to it, there was like something that I wanted to use to describe <laughs> the album. 
but like I didn't have the words to. And I was like, there's something about this album that is so different. And I don't know what it was. And I, and that's maybe like the best way to describe it was campy, especially with like the Egyptian motif and father figure. It's like, or like the monkey screeches, the overuse of like MIDI saxophone, you know, it does have kind of a campy like quality to it. Kind of a of weird- culture club a little bit. Yes, actually, yes. Yeah. I didn't even think about that until you just said that. It really does remind me of Culture Club in that kind of like fun way, but not like in that like tropical way that they're sort of like that shitty digital Club. harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, my god, <laughs> that's okay. You can just it's fine. I know we had differing opinions on Culture Club, but you have yours and I have mine. Well, but that's I think that that's kind of a charming element of the album overall. Like, and also there probably some of that is that there were things that imitated and like used some of these things more extremely in a way that was not as convincing as George Michael, right? Like that could be part of it. Mm. Hmm. I hear that. This is a fucking fantastic record. Like, just he 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 goes for like a few different styles, a few different genres. He nails them. Like, it's provocative. It's evocative. This is good stuff. The production is immaculate. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty severe uh, departure from Wham, and uh, he got to play in his own uh, sandbox and do everything that he wanted to do. And he got to fucking produce the whole thing. Like, yeah, like he, he's getting some studio guys in to like do stuff like occasionally. But like for the most part, this is just all George Michael. Anyone know how old uh, GM is here? What, oh, 23? 24? Yikes. Judas Priest. Hot damn. Yeah. yeah the I fact cheated. that he got into the recording studio and he, I mean, he knew what he wanted to do, right? So it's unbelievable that he, I mean, even Michael Jackson needed, needed a producer to, to make thriller, right? This is him. solo solo style. So we're talking Prince level of, of producing and creation on this album, which is just unbelievable to think about, which is kind of the highest level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Records. exactly. Yeah. Amazing. It's it's so weird considering like the genre shifting that that goes through with this album. Like it would be weird to just give it one label because there's too much going on. That's all good. I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, there's no filler on this record. No, no, and that's so rare. Which you you would expect from you know right. some of these '80s records. Absolutely. Yeah, you would expect one, maybe two hits mm. off the album. No. Well, it just feels like it was like bottled up inside him and then he just created this thing. (laughs) So because it it was, it was like, I was reading how he was kind of like feeling very confined by the teeny bopper sort of bent that he was stuck in. Like not even that that was how he wanted to make things, but that was what Wham meant to people, right? So Yeah, and he was, you know, stuck in another closet too at this point, you know, to be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't 
we, we've got hard. Uh, no, we have one more try in, my, in in the cans right now, and uh, I didn't look it up, but this reminds me so much of what uh, Shannon O'Connor did with the Prince, like uh, sure. version of nothing compares. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know if she was like, well, yeah, let's do it like this. No, you that's like Prince the, like casting his long shadow arrangement sure. here. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, like ar- arrangement wise. Yeah, like it's just feels i'll make love to you i mean yeah this sounds like purple rain this this has has a it there's a strength in this production also that that bass is is wonderful that is a you know his fender precision bass and that's a real bass that he played on one of those album yeah mm-hmm. sounds great now that i'm hearing it in in that vein that like you brought up rob like do you guys think do you guys interpret this as like a tragic ballad? Because it almost yeah. sounds like mournful to me. I think it's lonesome. That's what I wrote down. I think that a lot of the a lot of these songs are kind of sad in a way. There's like a, a tempering to them. Yeah. Yeah. I when I listened to Hand to Mouth, I kind of forgot about that song. Mm-hmm. But I was yeah. There's like a sort of like a sadness. Also, there's a lot of references to kind of. I wouldn't say rejecting Christianity, but sort of like questioning like humanity and in life and for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And subverting that we didn't even talk about how, you know, I want your sex was, was quite controversial at the time. I mean, people were talking about, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he would be promoting people having sex on the, in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They were concerned because of the AIDS pandemic, but I think they were also concerned because his sexuality, he wasn't open about his sexuality, but there was definitely like knowledge around that or a read of it. So I think Mm -hmm. that especially with that song, he ran into more trouble getting it play and getting it out as much because, um, you know, (laughs) it wasn't straight enough or it wasn't read that way. So that made it not as acceptable, like a lot more subversive. I would say that that song he wanted to be present himself in a different light. It wasn't wham, and he's he's grown up. I mean, he's a, a man at, the, I'm at this point. I'm a big point. boy. I put my pants on by myself, and my mom doesn't dress me no more. Right? Do you I'm think that Limp Biscuit covering that song muddies oh the waters? God. Uh, I think that they can do whatever they want, but I can ignore it if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i feel about limp biscuit 100 points <laughs> but well because i think that it's hard for me to like i think it's definitely protesting prudish attitudes but also the way that like the video for that was is very much like it's trying hard to pretend it's something that it's not so i don't know that it's like fully like it's um it's got his sort of girlfriend that like in retrospect, he said was probably kind of like a beard or a way he wasn't fully acknowledging his sexuality, but also they were close and like he said she genuinely loved him. Um, but like I think he writes something like explore monogamy on her back with lipstick or something. Like it's very it's it's super sexual in a heterosexual way. And it's mm. also kind of trying hard to press against like promiscuity in a way that like d- like completely conflicts with the lyrical content. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's a it's a confused song in certain ways, but it does. I remember like hearing it and being like, "Oh, this is so bad, right?" 
because I was a little kid, like if you say sex, that's bad, right? <laughs> and and so there is a it's subversive too. Like I just don't know if yeah. it's a protest song. The Long. video is definitely confusing, but like I, I, there's also I mean f- what I associate with faith is like the album in general and just George Michael's you know persona and his just kind of existence at this time because he was you know got this was such a huge massive hit is kind of more about awareness mm-hmm. yeah because you know he was really kind of bringing this out to lots of people who would not have been having these conversations yeah. before you know and not that he's the only person to ever do that like lots of other people did as well but um so it's revolutionary in its way and definitely at its yeah, time right exactly and in a hugely successful way yeah this album won several awards including album of the year at the uh 31st Grammy Awards, one of the best-selling albums of all time, 25 million copies. 25 million copies? Yeah, by 1996. Lordy Bagordy, yeah. It's a great record, yeah. Yeah, I can't can't necessarily, you know, I can't find fault in this album. If anything, it's, I, I find the recording and the production really interesting because songs like Faith have such a, I'm trying to describe it. It feels very minimal and almost in a box. Um, it has this very small pop sensibility to it. We we're listening sure, to yeah, a, lo- you hear, a lot there's of the acoustic guitar. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, in those sort of like just like pops, but they're perfectly placed. It, it has a, yeah. a a very like sparseness to it, but it, it works perfectly because he knows where to put each element to to make a good pop song and it works with the mid 80s and mtv because you see the music video and he's yeah just playing the acoustic guitar and yeah shaking his little buns i mean the whole whole album is hooked to the gills i mean every little part yeah everything is a fucking hook Mm yeah i will say that pared down quality that you're talking about birch is really like that's what it was really surprising to me, you know, how, how George Michael was, uh, I've always kind of seen him as this like icon of like dancing and the club scene and things like that. So I was really surprised at how taken down this was. Uh, Sparse leaves room for his vocal work, which is Mm. immaculate. Like he he is on display and not only is he on display, he's displaying himself because he's doing more or less all of this shit himself and producing it. This is this, this is his like I have arrived. Like he's, he's still in the closet though, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the, 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 this is his like I'm an adult. I'm gonna talk about adult stuff like sex and and daddies. So glad he did. Yeah, it's yeah, and, uh, and the, the great. It, it's wonderful because of that, right? It is an adult album. It is not. You know. Yeah, it's more sophisticated, I think, than Wham's previous. Um, oh, total. You, 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 How do you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Explain yourself, Perch. <laughs> I'll be your father figure, Rob. <laughs> That's what we're going to hear. Oh, man, that sounds cool. <laughs> this woke me up. You, you and Big T need to get together and uh, have a talk. <laughs> uh, the synthesizers used uh, by Michael on this album include Yamaha, DX7, Roland, S50, Roland, D50, Roland, Juno, 106, um, used for most synthesizer bass parts and strings, drum machines, where Lindrum and Roland 
TR808 Yamaha RX5. I bought Alex Cornia a Juno 106 for his birthday in the year 2002 from a pawn shop for 100 American dollars. That <laughs> synthesizer is now worth $2,000. So wow. you're welcome, Alex <laughs> Cornia. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I was conflating uh, Sisters of Mercy's uh, equipment with this uh this batch of equipment they they used only one thing similar and i think that was a yamaha rx5 but yeah uh it's uh it's pretty rad like there's uh there's maybe nine instruments involved with this aside from uh like the uh yeah george michael brought in some studio guns just to like kind of fill in things that he wasn't able to like quite do but everything else it's just all him man like so neat so fucking neat yeah it's great uh there were some people who were not a fan of particularly the song i want your sex and he was the recipient for the golden raspberry award for the worst original song the (laughs) razzies gave him no razzies did music a was dipper gore involved in this (laughs) (laughs) possibly sick burn So looked up, I was like just looking up, uh, you know, like different different people who became bigger after they left their own band. Um, there's quite a few of them. Do you guys have any that you, you would, you know, say that, oh, th- this person has definitely came into their own after they left their band? Bobby Brown. Yeah. Bobby Brown. Nick, Nick mm-hmm. Cave. OK, yeah. You guys mm. told me uh, what's his face, Peter ba- P- Peter also Gabriel yeah. Peter Gabriel. Yes, I. Yes, yes. Mm. I love that guy so much. Yeah, some others were uh, Beyonce, which I hadn't really thought of yeah, before. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Sting. Yeah, Sting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and then someone mentioned Dave Grohl, and I never. I have such a hard time. I mean, he's been out of Nirvana for so many years, and a lot of people like Foo Fighters more than a lot. A lot of people. people. Oh, oh, I was. You know, he has like a horror movie coming out soon, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. You don't know about this, Anna Birch? No. Mm, Gonna Google it. Yeah. You're gonna be sad. Uh, (laughs) Phil Collins was another one. (laughs) And people, people brought up Paul McCartney. Um, oh, that's a hot take. That counts. Mm. So <laughs> I guess people, more people like uh, wings than I gave them a. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think so either, but <laughs> apparently so. Oh, Justin Timberlake. like wings than wings. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. Because <laughs> you were saying earlier that you felt like his breakout from NSYNC was kind of based on the George Michael Absolutely. model, which I thought was so brilliant. Like, you're totally oh, wow. right. Totally, dude. It's like. Mm-hmm. This is how I sexualize and yeah. like get to be an adult artist because yeah. it's a that's hard to do. That I follows you around. 
Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when everybody is fucking looking, you know, has, knows what you're doing at all times, you know, how do you make that shift? Like you got to come out. Swinging hard. Yeah. And this yeah. album. You have to. Yeah. I would imagine. I, I felt that way about obviously um, Michael Jackson from being, you know, in the Jackson five and then and doing that. But another good one is uh, Stevie Wonder, who really wanted to, you totally. know, show oh, yeah. show he was he was, you know, so good at music and he wanted to present himself. OK, I am grown up like I'm not yeah. the kid. in the key of life or no, no. I mean, starting with talking book, but just okay, that run, yeah. run there. Yeah. yeah. It, it it really it it made people realize oh he's not you know just a kid singing this is you know he's a master of of musical craft. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking. I think Kyle, you or someone said like there is no filler on this album, which is totally true. You know what else? There's no filler on fucking Purple Rain or Thriller, mm-hmm. shit like that. I mean, well, this is, yeah, I there's a little bit of filler up there with like. There's some filler on Thriller. Well, but it's Thriller though. I mean, it's one song. They- <laughs> you know which one it is. I know which one it is. <laughs> I know which one it is. <laughs> ja- Jackson, you 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 don't think on it. You're right. No, he, I'm just he, saying it's a, the the caliber he, of these. He launched himself into that stratosphere of like that sort of pop pop craft. Yeah. Yeah. There was a retrospective Billboard review that said that this album cemented him as an MTV icon and a global superstar. I was like, yeah, like yeah. this is this is where it happens, and yeah, it's. Great. I remember because you could not go anywhere. I mean, well, <laughs> you couldn't watch MTV without seeing George Michael. Oh, no, like eighty-seven and nineteen eighty-eight. There was no way you could avoid this fucking album. No. Seven out of fucking nine tracks, man. And then the the album of the year stuff didn't happen until like '88. So this is a whole he he did the loop. Fifty-one consecutive weeks mm-hmm. inside yeah. the Billboard 200 top ten, unfuckwithable, man. Including twelve and, weeks at number one. And he beat out the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, <Awesome>. he did. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> or he matched the release for having like one and then another on the same record for the uh the entirety of like the loop around the sun. Yeah, like, the record keeping pretty... is dizzying. <laughs> yeah, mm. uh, insane. It's great, especially like for for a guy jumping off of like a uh like a boy band. Ah, monkey. <laughs> this song is awesome. This song rolls. <laughs> it's so fun monkey right. monkey yeah all right everybody on the positive i'm assuming oh, oh totally. 100% positive. Definitely. okay absolutely is there any negative one more to thing this? though just to yeah, you guys yeah, though go. yeah like the sparseness of you know the sound that we were talking about mm-hmm. it's the dryness of everything on it yeah mm-hmm. you're right like Super it's dry. it's not reverbed out yeah. so like there's this weird space like you said uh, Solange, it's like it's inside a box or something. Yeah, it's crisp. Crisp. It do, it doesn't have the 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 re, yeah reverbs and yeah the room it's sound. Like I mean, it's on there. I can hear it right now, but it's not. Yeah. It, it, there's just there's just so much space. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. just so cool to me that you can do that and have this fucking you know one of the biggest selling albums ever. Like that's yeah. crazy. I will say that crispness really takes precise perfection. 
to, it does. to, in a vision. to crack in a vision. Yeah. So I think that that's really special that because I mean, just working in music and doing that anytime you have something that's so crisp, it's, you have to have the hooks. You have to have every you know, flaw is visible. Everything is so, just right there. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's on purpose. If you're making it sound like that, like it has to be on purpose. And I just think that must've been what George's like vision for this to sound like was. Yeah. You know, cause wham doesn't sound like that. Nope. I'm gonna it's leave. just so amazing that he went, I mean, just threw all of, all of these different things together and made this like amazing album. I, I'm I've, Really been blown away by it this week. It's been a blast. Yeah. My neighbors are probably yeah. mad. Really been a good week. I'm going to read ever so slightly to you guys from Christ Guys Review. Um, <laughs> oh. Let no one forget that the vulnerability and compassion here pervade our staple commodities of the truly pop wise, and that the album's only conceptual coup, I Want Your Sex stands as an ambiguous publicity stunt worthy of Madonna herself. <laughs> B plus. <laughs> I mean, what a dweeb. Chris Guy won't tell anybody, but that's like an A. That sounds like he actually likes it to <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. actually, based yeah. on his general way of describing things. It's like, yeah. hey, you did it. You're a superstar now. Yeah. He doesn't want to say it, but he said it. He's just grumpy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Next time we'll be talking about Husker Du, Warehouse, Songs, and Stories. Woo!